Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're a business looking to reach millions of engaged podcast listeners around the world, start advertising with Acast. Acast is the only place to work with 92,000 exclusive shows, including huge hits like WTF with Mark Marin, Anna Ferris is Unqualified, as well as top publishers including the BBC and The Economist. Acast's self-serve ad platform is easy to use, giving you the power to choose your perfect audience, create and launch your campaign, and track your results, all in one place. Get your message heard and reach customers wherever they're listening. Visit go.acast.com slash advertise to get started today. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Two, one, two, three, four. Hey everyone, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast, episode 39. 
Uh, this episode is going to be another tour conversations episode, and we're going to talk with Brian about Randall's Night 3, which was in a really awesome show. We're going to talk to um, Jake Cohen about C-Mac. We're going to talk to Matt Burnham about the DTE show. And then we're going to talk to Rob Mitchum and Kevin OK Deadhead Hansen about um, the three-night run in Chicago. We're just going to jump into those interviews and uh, hope you all enjoy. And we'll see you um, next week with some more. So we're here with uh, Brian, who is on Twitter at Wolfenhaus, H-A-U-S. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Great. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. Um, my pleasure. I'm excited to do it. Yeah, it's um, it's it's great to have you on to talk about the third night of Randall's, which you know we're like halfway through the tour now, um, and it seems like that's unanimously sort of the best the best show. Um, and I, I know that you you have a lot lot to say about it, so we're excited to to chat about it with you. Sort of echo those same feelings. So I'm happy to sort of go into depth on any anything like that. So. Awesome. Well, start by telling us. So, is it? Did you go to all three nights? Are you seeing other shows this summer? How does this fit into your sort of show going, um, either for the summer or for the whole year? Well, I um, I saw four shows. I saw opening night at Mansfield, and then um, one night I saw night three at Spac, first night at Man, and then uh, third night at Randall's. It was kind of like I got, I saw one show at every venue at the beginning of the tour. Interesting. Um, which is, I mean, I would have gone to more, but, you know, like I told you, I have three kids and a wife, and it's right. like, you know, you, you got to try and negotiate what you can get and what you can't get. So. Seems pretty good, though, actually. Yeah, no, it worked out well. Um, you chose the right, was, uh, you chose the right yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I got some crazy good jams and things that I hadn't, you know, just, like, the first night in Mansfield with the Harry Hood, that was just, I hadn't heard, you know, a jam like that, and and I hadn't heard of jam like that, I don't know, forever. So it was definitely really some pretty, you know, nice, uh, you know, also First Night Man with a big fuego. Like it was just a lot of sort of highlights that I'd love the iPad to go to. That's yeah. really awesome, man. That's, that's, those are good shows. Um, and so on Randall's, um, how did you get down there? Did you did you take the ferry? Did you walk? Did you? How, I think it's interesting how many different stories there are about traveling there. Yeah, so I... I came in from Westchester because um, I was like, I was out all day, you know, and I got home just in time to like catch a train to 125th Street. And then I met my friend who I go to most of my shows with and he was waiting in a cab and like he had just come from work. And so I hopped in this cab and then we, you know, the cab took us over to Randall's, um, which was, you know, it cost a few bucks, but it was worth same yeah. time because we were we were kind of late just because of the you know my other stuff had everything else in my in my day had sort of drifted so I was I got there sort of just in time to you know hear the first licks of sand uh, when I walked in the gates so oh, okay. yeah um, but it was in terms of like getting there like it was kind of it was I've never been to Randall's even though I'm from New York and I've mm-hmm. lived and worked in Manhattan for ages you know years but. Um, my first time at Randall's and it was, I thought it was really cool because it was, you know, right by the river and then, you know, when the sun went down, you see a nice view of the skyline and it was, um, it kind of reminded me, I think other people mentioned this, like Bader Field, like in Atlantic City in 2012. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was there. You know, yeah. yeah, like a wide open spaces, you know, uh, you know, kind of a nice view everywhere plenty of room to dance, plenty of, like, 
concessions fans, you know, I've never, there was, I'd never had to wait for, you know, anything that I wanted to get, which was great. Um, also really chill security, which I was kind of expecting to be a lot worse, but it was, you know, everybody there was pretty cool in terms of, you know, just, it, you know, I didn't feel like I was going to get, you know, felt up for, you know, <laughs> when yeah. I went through the gate, like it was very chill, which I thought was really nice. Um, and I think that one of the cool things about Randall, that at least we got lucky with the weather, you know, every night, but Sunday night especially, it was going to pour, and it didn't, you know, happen until after the show ended. So it was, that was great. Yeah, um, yeah. Seemed like and then off. getting off, getting off Randall's was actually really easy. I mean, we just went to the bus, and the bus took us to 125th, a free bus, you know, and then took us right to 125th Street, and then nice. we, you know, took a... a took a cab back to my friend's office and got got his car and drove home so it worked out real well that's great and so you you got there just in time for the show which was um which we should talk about so you probably didn't get a lot of the the pre um pre-show stuff either the lot or the the scene in there um yeah i didn't really i didn't really see the lot at all to the extent that it existed i didn't i didn't get a chance to look at it so yep and so that so that show, I mean, let's talk about it. It's it was um, pretty crazy. Um, second set, the first set was good, had a few few highlights. Um, but what was your what were your sort of takeaways from the first set before we talk about the second? Um, for me, I thought that uh, I thought Birds and Feather was really jamming, like really, really you know, fast and and kind of I liked that when they play that song really hard, and I, I thought that was really good and uh, I think other people have mentioned this also but I thought the Runaway Jim was really, I love Runaway Jim it's yep. one of those songs that I heard back like in the early 90s when I first started <laughs> yeah yeah, and, and, and I love it and it was like a, definitely a nice kind of you know interesting version that I hadn't heard in a while so that was I thought that was a, definitely a big highlight for me nice cool so yeah, I like are... that I like you know I'm yeah, I just, you know, the first set, you know, first opening, first set sand, which is definitely, you know, I thought it was a nice sort of way to start the, start the show, because I just, you know, that was a, I thought it was a nice, it was a short version, but you just never hear that in the first set, so it was, it was definitely a nice way to start things off. Yeah, nice. And I, I definitely, I, I'm sorry, I just, I definitely yeah. think the Runaway Gym was my highlight, I just, I love that song, so it was it was cool to get that nice version out of it. That's great. And, and sort of mid set, which is not, not typical. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Cool. And then, so the second set, I mean, to my perspective, I wasn't there, but it took me probably three times listening through the, the first three songs of the second set. I had to listen to it three times before I really like understood what, what was happening there. So I can't imagine being there, but talk us through sort of your experience um, being there and then looking back. Uh, I'll definitely try. I mean, sort of just one more, like I thought the other thing about the first set that was sort of a great way to segue was a split open and melt was, you know, kind of unique sound also, which I thought was really, you know, a little bit of a disjointed sound in the middle, which I thought was kind of cool. And then I think that kind of felt that again, come out in, you know, in, um, in parts of the chalk dust, uh, jam and, um, you know, it was one of those things where like, I was tired and then like, all of a sudden Chalk Dust just, you know, it's it's one of those weird things that you can't explain unless unless you talk to another Fish fan, but like it sort of just took off 
and it was like, oh my God, you know, this is like surreal, you yeah. know, how great this is, you know, like it, it's, you know, I, like if I had been, at, I hadn't, I haven't been, I mean, I wasn't at Dix 12 and, you know, the light, Dix light in 2012, which I think is probably similar in terms of like, you know, the, the golden age Caspian light, you know, triple, like yeah. I, I sort of expect, Sort of compare this, or like our my list, my all time favorites, one of the like twelve six ninety seven, like you know Tweezer, Isabella Twist, like you know it, the three song when you get a three yeah, song run yeah. that, that that's that good, it's like it's a it's incredible, you know yeah. it's like this peak that you just last for like an hour, it's incredible. So yep. so that's sort of where I felt like you know the Chalkstones was amazing, and sometimes you know like you get great. 20 minute songs to open up the second set and then it's kind of like an okay second set after that but then just into you know like sort of the the you know the segue right into light which was also mind-blowing and then like a, a and then right into tweezer which i thought was you know kind of i love the tweezer also and i, I love the way the tweezer sort of ended but bringing back the tweezer you know the yeah. tweezer um riff at the end of it you know in kind of a different way like it is you know I, I loved all of that. So, like, it was one of those things where like, you're in the middle of it and you just cannot believe it's happening, you know? And, <laughs> right. it, yeah, you know, it sounds like That's a, why we go, you know, right? Ab- absolutely, no doubt, you the, know? And it, oh it doesn't compare to, I mean, as much as I love listening to, you know, live fish uh, sets that I download, like, it's not as, it just, you know... I don't know what it is. It's just that whatever that is, that essence of like being at a show and like being at, you know, yep. a peak, like I said, that's lasting for so long. It, it's unbelievable. Yeah, man. The And the tweezer had like a peak, like a tweezer peak, which is not, you know, doesn't always happen these days. I feel like often it goes into, you know, funky or exploratory ways, but not, not like that where it's just like a glorious peak, you know, which is... I, I Amazing. totally agree. Like it was, you know, a lot of times, like you know, like in the New Year's thirteen run, you know, like there was, I think, the first night there was a tweezer that was like, you know, cut short, and like it was just sort of, you know, it's always funky, like you said. I exact, exact, like sort of exactly what you said is is a perfect way to explain it. You know, like a peak mm-hmm. and the tweezer that just, you know, I don't know. Like I felt like every one of those three songs, like it was just a uniqueness to them, and you know. I, I also do think that, I mean, I know Miners talked about this on his blog, but like that the crowd on Sunday night was, I felt like it was a really, you know, crowd that was really into it uh-huh. and really into the show and sort of, I mean, I, you know, I, obviously it's just a feeling. It's only like I surveyed the crowd. Right, right, like right. It was a very, yeah, but I felt like it was a very knowledgeable crowd, like a very, like really into it. Um, really into the, the jamming and really into the sort of the scene and um, and I think part of it was that it was so it was so wide open so that there was plenty of room to find like a spot that was comfortable. Um, yep. Yep. You know, nice. Uh, and they and definitely so thought, they definitely feed off that, right? I mean, there's there's no no doubt that the band is feeding off of the good the good crowds versus the you know less good crowds. It seems. Yeah. I wish I would love to talk to them about that, like how they, you know, that sort of, how that, that synergy works, like from their end, yeah. like how they feel, you know, because it, it just like, you, you know, you can't really, 
again, like I go back to the sort of the thing where you can't explain it because like it was just, you know, I, I was expecting kind of like, you know, Bader night three was like a kind of a bad night. You know, it was like there was a great first show and a great mm-hmm. second show, mm-hmm. but you know, the third show was kind of like, whatever. I only I never listened to it. And, you know, I know Northerly last year was like, there was some, you know, it was like, uh, and this year, I, I, I didn't listen to the Northerly shows this year, but I mean, I, it was just one of those things where sometimes you think like a third night show sometimes will, you know, just kind of peter off or whatever. And it just, you know, I, it was like a com- confluence of like perfect situation with a great crowd, a really great venue, the weather holding up and, you know, you know, a great lighting. I mean, the lighting was unbelievable mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. always. I mean, and I, it's interesting. I was sort of re-listening to second set just now before we talk and, um, and I was sort of seeing some couple of really highlights that I thought first that, I thought I felt like Mike's bass was, I felt like I could hear his bass a lot more. Maybe that's just, again, like a, you know, subjective thing, but I felt like I could really hear yeah. bass, bass rhythms, um, you know, driving kind of the songs. And I thought that was, I really like, I mean, Mike's one of my favorites. So like, I really like that. Um, I think also on the live fish, like the, the mix that, you know, the studio, you know, the, the soundboard mix just had a lot of really good bass coming out. So I really liked that. Um, I nice. saw some interesting parallels. I felt like I heard some of the, like last year's uh, Meriwether Light, you know, whether it's Start Stop Light and uh, Meriwether 13, like I felt like I got some of that in the middle of the chalk dust. There was sort of that feeling, even though it wasn't Stop Start, but it felt like some of the same kind of feel to it. Yep, yep. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, like it just, it was just, I really felt like it let Mike drove a lot of that set of that chalk dust in terms of this really good, you know, rhythm, rhythms that are underneath everything that were sort of keeping things going. And I, I, I uh, you know, that's sort of a highlight for me that I could, that I sort of pinpoint in, in, uh, in the chalk dust that sort of really sticks out in my mind as opposed, you know, obviously everything else, but that's mm-hmm. just sort of what I think about, nice. you know, like I think about like in the first night at Mansfield, like I felt like, you know, Fishman's, drumming was just, I thought really kept things going and really was really, really, mm-hmm. you know, important. And I sort of felt that about Mike um, and the light, uh, I'm sorry, and the chalk dust uh, for the second set at uh, Randall's. That's cool. Yeah, that's great. So, this is, a, I mean, this is an amazing um, show you got to see. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to go listen to it again after this. It's just, I don't think you can listen to it too many times, you know? I agree. Which is an amazing I agree. Thing. Like, uh, I, I, it's, I don't know what it was. I really wish like you could capture that essence and like it, you know, but it's, and you yeah. know, great. I mean, I, you know, a slave always, a lot of times obviously finishes the set, but like, I thought it was, it was a standard slave, but it was a really, you know, it was just sort of whimsical, like fantastic. And I know it's sort of backwards, you know, number line gets kind of poo poo it sometimes, but yeah. I, I've grown to like love that song. Yeah. And, um, you know, seeing it, like hearing it, like in a, in an encore was different. And then, you know, with a crazy tweet prize at the end. So like, I, you know, I know people, it's like sort of takes the wind out of the set sometimes, but I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of partial to that song. So I, I was, uh, I like it, you know, and I, it's interesting to hear it as an encore also in yeah. my mind. So 
Yeah, well, so, you caught a hell of a show, and thanks for sort of sharing your your memories of it. No, I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so excited to get the opportunity to talk about it because it's just, you know, usually I just talk about it with my friends, or and it's <laughs> nice to sort of get those feelings and emotions out and try and put them into words so that other people can, you know, understand it or at least yeah. get an essence of it. Yeah, so. definitely. And the. Um, I mean, like you said, capturing the essence. I mean, that's why we go back, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's yeah, it's one of those pet peeves of mine because people are like, "Why do you go?" You know, obviously, so many so many fans like, "Why do you get?" You know, "Why do you go to another shows? Why do you go to TLB shows? Are they all the same?" And I'm like, "It isn't," and I can't explain it to you unless you go to a show. You know, like it's just yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 explain it, talking about it doesn't you know, doesn't, you just can't explain what it is. And then you go to a show like, and then you hit a show like Randall's and you're like, Oh my God, you know, I just got blown blown away by like, right. By like an hour's worth of like music that was just, you know, out of the blue and like created out of nowhere. And, you know, this awesome like thing that's just like, you know, it's only there for like a short time and then you'll never hear it again yep. in that same way, you know? That's why we keep going. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Brian. That was, it was right. fun to talk. No, thanks very much. And I'm, I thank you for take, for doing this kind of stuff and taking your time out of your, you know, your schedule to do this. It's really, really appreciated. Cool. Thank you. We appreciate it. All right. Take all right, great. Talk to you soon. Okay, take it easy. Hey, so I'm here with Jake, who um, is on Twitter at Smooth Atonal Sound, Smooth Atonal SND. Um, hey, Jake, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. Um, and we're going to talk about about the show that you saw at CMAC. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, was that the first show of the tour? Were, were you catching some more? How does that fit into your schedule? And, and also, what was it like kind of in the, in the lot before the show and, and all that? Yeah, that was it. Was actually our um, me and my wife saw five shows in seven days, and that was the last of the five shows we okay. saw. Living, we live in New York, so we saw uh, the the second night of the Man Center, and then we saw all three Randall's shows, and then we decided to go up to CMAC um, just in part because we had never been there before, and seemed like it could be ripe for one of those sort of snooze you lose midweek you know middle of nowhere throwdown mm-hmm. shows um so yeah but it was the last it was the last show we saw and it, we had just come off the randall's run so things were ex- expectations were kind of at a you know ridiculous level just because of the way that randall's had uh, ended up there yeah yeah definitely and what was it like there the the sort of pre pre-show scene what's the the venue i mean the venue sort of famous and fish fish lore but um what was it like what was it like there that day yeah it was um i had read a lot of accounts that uh the there was no um there would be no scene and that there would be like a lot of uh, cops walking around busting vendors and stuff and we got there and it was just classic shakedown street like everything was just totally awesome um like you know your, your typical your typical summer lot scene. Um, no hassles, uh, big, big shakedown setup, lots of vendors, lots of good food, lots of cool merchandise. And um, it was, uh, it's a nice sort of, you know, it's right in the middle of the wine country there. And so there's all um, in the venue itself, they sell um, 
I think I think it was bottles of wine. I saw people walking around with twenty four ounce cups full of wine. <laughs> wow, <laughs> which is which is really kind of funny, and also it's like, oh, this is going to be uh, a bit of a shit show. <laughs> but um, and the venue itself is you know tiny compared to most of the other sheds that they play. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know the the it's it's much narrower than Great Woods or Spac mm-hmm. or. Uh, the man even and um, so much narrower the lawn is very small and it all has this very sort of old sort of you know we were joking that it was like it was like the wine it feels well aged in there <laughs> nice uh, and um, the venue itself the sound in there though was was left a little bit to be desired it felt okay. a little echo echoey but um, but the scene was really cool Nice. And, um, and what about the music? I know there's been some talk. I don't know if you've been, I know you're like sort of in the wilderness, so maybe you haven't <laughs> seen it, but there's been a lot of talk about whether those two, sh- two, two, two or three shows in between Randall's and Chicago were, were met expectations. So what were your right. thoughts? Well, you know, ex- expectations is sort of a weird term after the third night of Randall's because yeah. that was really, I mean, you know, people are saying silly things like best ever and whatnot. I mean, for me, it was definitely, you know, one of the best uh, shows I've ever seen, um, you know, and certainly something that I'm sure will remain in a lot of people's, um, you know, sort of listening repertoires for a long, long time. Um, I don't think anyone was expecting that we would get that <laughs> again, but I think that people were sort of right. feeling as though that momentum of, you know, throwing down something like that first set bathtub gin and at the Friday night show or the Karini ghost wingsuit from Saturday or everything from Sunday, but especially that, that Choctaw's light tweezer, that, right. that sort of spirit of just going for it with the exploratory improvisation would sort of um, continue on. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to the Chicago shows. I listened to some of the Pine Knob show and obviously the C-Mac show that I was at. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, it didn't quite go there, but there were definitely some, some really solid, solid things to, to report back on. Um, the disease was, you know, mm-hmm, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's the big jam from that show, you know, set, set to opener, obviously. And, you know, it exceeded about 20 minutes, I think, on the official official uh timing on yeah, the live fish yeah. and uh you know the band released it as their video from the from the night so um that was definitely like the the improvisational sort of high point of the show um really uh you know it, different than the friday night down disease from um randall's those those two sort of make a nice juxtaposition the randall's one sort of did that thing that disease does sometimes where it goes into a minor key and gets a little bit soft and quiet and spacey. And then they built it back up with this big major key jam mm-hmm. that sort of exploded at the end. Mm-hmm. And the C-Mac version didn't do that so much. It, it sort of, it, 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 it stayed in its type one jam a little bit longer and it sort of went into this quieter, quieter territory, but it was definitely, um, still in that sort of major key, and then it went into a few different kinds of of jams after that. So it did that thing that you know there's been two, sort of two types of two kinds of type two jams this tour. I think like the ones that sort of build on a melody mm-hmm. from yep. Trey mainly, and then the ones that are sort of like 
we're going to explore this little groove pocket and now we're going to move to this little groove idea mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, it was more of the latter kind got it yeah um, but that was i mean it was a, it was it was certainly a you know a, a good a good disease i don't think uh, and when we look back on this summer it'll be the best disease but um it was definitely definitely fun definitely gave everyone a taste of of sort of thing that they are capable of doing right now um the first set was really just awesomely fishy you know it mm-hmm. opened with buried alive which anytime that happens that's you know that's gonna be a good thing yeah, that's a cool yeah cool <laughs> I mean, yeah and you know it's always fun to hear something that you haven't heard in a while um they're just you know with everything in that first set just sort of felt like it had a nice sort of fishy um you know mm-hmm. arc to it a good combination of old and new and there's a Haley's in there there was a um, a twist, a first set twist, which was kind of fun. Um, a first set gin, which again was not not at the levels of the previous Friday first set gin, but right. good rock and type one gin. Um, I actually thought my favorite part of that was actually the the wombat from that um, that first set, which nice. got got into some weirdness mm-hmm. uh, uh, towards the end. It didn't it didn't go type two the way that we know it can now, but yeah. Um, yeah. but it it definitely. Um, you know, it was longer than pretty much every version of Tube from the last you know five years, and I yeah, think that that's crazy. sort of they're sort of transferring that like that that funk jam that they used to do on Tube. That spirit has sort of found a place in Wombat, and mm-hmm. they're they're stretching it out a bit. And then that was really cool to hear. Um, the Bowie was pretty standard. The Gin was pretty standard, but obviously that means they were both excellent, right? <laughs> and right. Um, the second set, the the one thing that I would say is definitely must hear that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on on uh, on paper is the the seg from Get Back on the Train into NICU was just just fantastic. Nice. Yeah, yeah, and they really that. just sort of moved seamlessly from the the sort of upbeat strumming of Get Back on the Train right into the upbeat strumming of NICU. And Fishman picked up on the beat change pretty quickly, and he managed to sort of go right into there nice that's awesome yeah it was a good i remember like listening back i thought it was a good show it was fun to fun to listen to i know that oh sure you know there were they we can't expect them to to do randall's every night right exactly exactly and you know if they hadn't just done randall's we would be we would be saying that c-mac was like you know a stellar show maybe mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know the other thing that i was actually and this is just totally sort of circumstantial to my experience but i i got to ride the rail for the first time ever uh for the second set of c-mac so you know that's just a that sort of you know i i had to listen back before i did this podcast because i wanted to make sure that i heard it sort of in a unadulterated way because it was you know that experience just sort of changed my whole Hmm. my whole perception of the music entirely yeah Um, Nice, because cool. you were just so much. Yeah, what is what was what was so different? I, don't, I mean, if you if you've never done it, you know, I think it's something that every every sort of fan should get a chance to do. Uh, obviously, that's not possible mm-hmm. necessarily, but you know, for us, it was um, we just sort of managed to finagle our way in with the help of some friends who who were down there, and you know, uh, the CMAC rail is actually on the level with the stage so you're just looking right at the band there's no one between you and the band and i think everybody you know regardless of all the you know oh trey looked at me or you know (laughs) mike was looking right at me and we thought something together you know all that bullshit aside like 
you can tell that the band is looking at you and sees you and like, you know, Trey has always said, you know, he's looking out in the audience and he's picking people out and he wants to like get them off. And yeah. age is always saying, you know, I want to make sure people on my side are having a good time. It's like, yeah, they're, they're looking right at you. And it's, it's really cool. It's a great sort of way to experience a show and it totally takes you out of the normal show going experience. And of course the energy is just, you know, sky high there. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't done it since I think '98, but it's yeah. a totally different experience. Well, thanks for for joining us and for sharing your your experience. It was fun to to hear about. You're welcome. Yeah, and the one the one other thing I know we were fishing, but the one other thing I wanted to mention is the Fuego Lope with all the Fuego teas. Oh yeah, that yeah. Just, that was that was sort of the fun highlight of the of the night was just hearing Fuego. That was when they started doing that trend that they've done now where they're teasing fuego all the time everything yeah yeah i mean it was just all over that antelope and trey even said diego instead of marco escondola so that was really fun <laughs> yeah they're doing it pretty like self-consciously at this point yeah yeah it's yeah. pretty but crazy. It, was, it was it was it was unironic that you know yeah it was, it was cooler when we heard it man <laughs> <laughs> right well um well thanks a lot for joining us jake this is this is um interesting to do for us and hope hope you had fun too um we really appreciate it yeah lots of fun thanks a lot cool and that's jake who is at smooth atonal snd um cool talk to you soon jake thanks if you're a business looking to reach millions of engaged podcast listeners around the world start advertising with acast acast is the only place to work with 92,000 exclusive shows including huge hits like WTF with Mark Marin, Anna Ferris is Unqualified, as well as top publishers including the BBC and The Economist. Acast's self-serve ad platform is easy to use, giving you the power to choose your perfect audience, create and launch your campaign, and track your results, all in one place. Get your message heard and reach customers wherever they're listening. Visit go.acast.com slash advertise to get started today. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. All right, so we're here with uh, Matt Burnham, who's joined us before, who is on Twitter at the Real Burnham. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for thanks for joining us and um, sharing your perspective on the show with us. Yeah, uh, happy to do it. And so we're talking about the show at DTE, um, which I was surprised that you were going to, given that you live in Texas. And tell us just how you how you ended up going to that that one show. Well, I, I kind of. Uh, I don't want to say pull the fast one on my wife. Uh, my wife's from the greater Detroit area, and uh, we were planning a trip to visit her family, and we booked it after the fish dates were announced. So I was like, hey, if we put it around, you know, the, the 16th of July, then, you know, we could swing this, this fish concert in there as well. And she was happy to oblige, thankfully. And, you know, that's, that's how we ended up there. That's awesome. Good for you. Um <laughs> I think we probably many of us have done the not quite pulling a fast one on our wife to go to fish show. So, yep, well done. Um, <laughs> so you were sort of up there visiting family, and um, what was the what was the scene like there um, pre-show and in the lot and all that? Well, we didn't spend a lot of time in the lot. Um, we got there um, pretty close to when doors were opening, um, and we're, my wife and I are actually coming up on our uh, one-year wedding anniversary. 
So we wanted to make sure we got in because uh, she was getting me the poster for an anniversary gift. Okay. So we saw the poster announced earlier in the day. We thought it looked really cool. We wanted to make sure we got one of those. So we went in pretty close to when doors were opened. Uh, but then after that, the venue, uh, you know, DTE, Pine Knob, is amazing. There's so many, like, craft beer options and so many – it's, like, a cool little, like, wooded uh, kind of enclosed area. Awesome. So we just spent the first, like, hour just kind of wandering around, checking out the lawn, looking at different things. And um, it was really, really empty, I remember, like, right until the show started, which means a lot of people were probably just hanging out in a lot because the pavilion did get, like, full – uh, right after the right after the show started itself. Mm-hmm. And how was the show? I mean, a lot of people were this week on on Twitter at least talking about the the quality of the midweek shows. Um, so, what was your take on the the music? Yeah, um, and I, I can see that. Um, I know that I tweeted out after the show that you know the the concert on a whole maybe didn't have that signature jam that has been prevalent in the first half of the summer tour. Like there was no you know, 20 minute Fuego or, you know, 28 minute Chalk Dust or, mm-hmm. you know, anything mm-hmm. like that. But I remember just, although like, I think only the ghost went over 10 minutes, um, at the, at the Detroit concert, it just, everything like flowed well, I thought, mm-hmm. um, nice. everything actually, you know, it, everything was kind of short, but everything was played well. Um, it's ice was awesome in the first set. Yeah. The, huge funky breakdown from page yeah 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 that's great. um that was definitely like the first set highlight but this was also um my first time kind of being introduced to the fuego songs live so every time they played like devotion to a dream cool. yeah or um like waiting on light coming out of piper i was like all right cool it's like the first time for me and then you know you get to you get to see that brand new which is always fun yeah that's that's great because you didn't see halloween or the msg shows Nope, missed those ones completely. Got it. Cool. <laughs> so you got to see several. Um, well, what devotion to a dream? And did, had you seen Yarmouth Road before? I had not seen Yarmouth Road. I had seen the line at Jazz Fest. Okay. Um, yep. First Fuego, first Waiting All Night, um, and those are all you know, like the first time you see a, a, a show in concert, or sorry, the first time you see a song in concert. You know, it's kind of like an important thing because then it's you know, it feels more real to to me at least. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And did you feel like they were kind of, I guess I listened to it once um, the next day, um, I guess as I do every time, but as I'm sure you do too. Um, Did you feel like in the second set they were sort of continued to search for for things? Because there are like so many huge songs in that second set. Um, Did you feel that way or what was your take on this sort of, you know, shorter but but many, many of the big songs? It, it did kind of feel like a greatest hits kind of thing. Like when they open up with mics, you know, everyone's anticipation goes mm-hmm. to, is this the mics that's going to blow up? Is this going to be the, you know, second jam version? Um, the segue into Ghost is really cool. Um, yeah. I remember that that Ghost is the only thing that kind of really stretched its legs. Um, now, as to your question, though, um, I kind of felt like maybe it was more instead of like searching for like a theme um, or searching for like, you know, where they could like, you know, really kind of get out there that, you know, some of these midweek shows, some of these ones that are, I mean, Detroit's not a small market by any stretch, but, you know, for Fish itself, it might be a little bit smaller mm-hmm. than like a Saratoga mm-hmm. or Chicago. Um, it, gave, it gave people an opportunity who, you know, might only be going to one or two shows to see a lot of the songs they like. So although there wasn't like, you know, the 20, 25 minute long version of Tweezer, you know, you got a Tweezer, you got a Mike song, you got a Ghost, you got a Piper, you know, you got all the, you got the Fuego, the new song, you got, you know, a Wolfman. So all the songs that people like really enjoy hearing, you know, even though they're in short and condensed forms, you still got to hear them. You still got to see them. So that was a kind of a cool thing. I think 
Maybe for people who weren't going to a lot of shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think the tendency of the people who go to a lot of shows is to try to string together, like, you know, this show compared to the last show compared to the next show. And it's sort yeah. of like, you know, for a lot of people, one show is just one show and then that's it, you know? Yeah, I mean, there might be people with families who live in, you know, the greater Michigan area mm-hmm. who, for whatever reason, couldn't swing northerly. This might have been the one show they could go to. So, you know, seeing some of the big hitters, even though they're short, you know, there's positives and negatives to that. Yeah. And what, so what was your sort of the highlight of the show musically for you? Um, so the ghost was awesome. Um, I think that's probably like the, in my opinion, one of like the big like takeaways. I think they've been playing the hell out of ghost on this whole tour. Um, but surprisingly mm-hmm. enough, um, the backwards on the number line nice. had a, a cool effects from Trey. I'm not like one of the big music, um, you know, analysts or music, <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, who can talk about different modes and keys and things, but, there's some really interesting kind of um, darker sounding like tones from Trey. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not really normal for that song because it's, you know, usually more upbeat and kind yeah. of like, you know, uh, cheerful. Also, the, the the encore I thought was awesome. The first 2001 encore that the band's ever had. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and, and the possum actually was extremely well played too. It actually reminded me of like an earlier possum. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been listening to a lot of 93 recently and it sounded kind of similar to that. Like, had this weird like quiet breakdown in the middle of it um before it kind of you know came back with a huge the huge closer yeah i didn't notice that but i remember i know the old versions you're talking about that's pretty cool yeah nice so So, i mean it's it's weird when you have a a show highlights as you know number line and possum but you know that (laughs) it's ice or or for me really yeah that's how it goes (laughs) um cool well thanks a lot for joining us to to share your perspective on this matt it's been um it's been good to, to reconnect and chat yeah it's been good and i hope to see you guys out of dicks absolutely 100%. 100%. I'm here with uh, Kevin, who is at OK Deadhead, and Rob Mitchum, who's at Fish Crit, um, two previous guests who were nice enough to come back on and talk about the Chicago shows. Um, thanks for joining us, guys. Absolutely. So does that make us alumni, I guess? Now we'll be two-time distinguished alumni. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. <laughs> I feel honored. Do you, do you feel distinguished, Rob? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Perfect. Um <laughs> So we're talking about Chicago, the three nights. Um, you guys uh, both, I know that Rob, you saw two of the three, and Kevin, you saw all three, right? Yes, sir. I know. Well, Rob, why don't you go first and talk about how this fit into your sort of summer tour plans and other shows you hit, because we were just talking about the DTE show before that, and then, Kevin, you can pick it up from there. Sure. Yeah, so uh, Fish, for the second consecutive year, made a like direct personal attack on my uh, musical taste by uh, booking the <laughs> Chicago shows the same weekend as Pitchfork Festival, which are basically my two favorite weekends of the year, and they forced <laughs> me to choose between the two. Last year I did Pitchfork during the day and Fish every night, and that combined with the terrible weather we had last year uh, just about killed me. So yep. I decided that to be a little more reasonable. and two of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was a little more conservative this year and um, decided to do Friday at Fish, Saturday at Pitchfork, and Sunday did both. Uh, oh, wow. Wow. To replace the uh, Saturday Fish show I was missing, I successfully lobbied to go drive myself up to Pine Knob and uh, see that show. So I got a bonus show in the, in the middle of the week. So, and those are my three for the summer. Nice. Hi. What about you, Kevin? What's your, your summer? You started off on the East Coast, right, and saw a few yeah. at the beginning? I started out, uh, did the did my SPAC run, as I call it. Love that. It's one of my favorite runs I've hit uh, last three years, I think. Nice. Just fantastic weekend. 
I mean, never, never lets me down. And then uh, I did the man shows, Philly, first shows I've ever seen at the man. Um, so that was cool. Fantastic. And then, uh, yeah, I went back home and I got normal for a couple weeks and uh, actually about a week and then uh, flew up to Chicago <laughs> this past weekend. Nice. That's awesome. And are you guys, are you guys seeing more shows this summer? Kevin, you're going to Dick's, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm normal for four weeks, five weeks, and then I go get unnormal Dick's. Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Rob, are you, are you hitting any more? No, this is it for me. And based on the tour dates today, probably for the year. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think of those dates? Uh, fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, of course, it's screwy fish logistics. I mean, if you really look at it, but, you know, of course, they're probably trying to shake the trees, um, mm-hmm. you know, but, it's, I mean, sugar, that looks, fan- I mean, it's setting up to be a prime fall. There's no doubt about that. Good shows. And are you you're going to try to catch a few of those, Kevin? Yeah, uh, definitely. I'm not, not sure exactly which. Um, definitely Vegas, probably. And then we'll kind of go from there. But I'll definitely pluck a handful out. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Nice. Nice. And Rob, you I'm don't think you'll make it to any? Now. Yeah, it does, doesn't look good. Yeah. I might put in a Halloween request and just let, like, tickets by mail decide for see me. See if it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see if I hit the lottery. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be a great run, and the venues look really cool, and I'm looking forward to couch touring it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and maybe maybe thinking about Florida, if if that does, in fact, happen. So, so let, me, let me ask you this. What do you think the hardest ticket's going to be? Santa Barbara? I think Vegas has got to be right. It's a weekend, Halloween, Vegas, first time in ten years. Like it's, a, it, I, and, you, and you're pretty I'm glad much, that I can't really go because it's going to be a nightmare. I think guaranteed a costume set. So yeah, yeah. Well, or it, it looked like it was only going to be two sets from the ticket price. I thought that was the hot rumor today. Oh really? I didn't see that. It's well, the same ticket price as the other shows. Inter- yeah, it's sixty bucks, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. I think, uh, and they gave that Rolling Stone interview where they suggested they wanted, like, to change the tradition. So, so I don't man. know. I love Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, well, guys, well, so this is um, pretty interesting. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to see any of this fall. I'm hopefully, hopefully going to make at least, at least one or two of the Bill Graham shows, but um, uh, that's a long shot even right now. But um, I tell you what, those shows are fantastic. That GA, I mean, I think that's the only show that's full straight GA this fall. Man. And that, I'm telling you what, that's it's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to try to fabricate a work trip, see what happens. Um, well, so, so I'm about to go see my first shows of the tour at uh, Meriwether this weekend, but let's talk about these shows that you guys saw. I'm pretty jealous that you guys were at these um these shows maybe we can just talk a little bit about each night you know the weather um was fine and the weather all all worked um so that's good what'd you guys think going in friday night was i got there pretty late both friday and sunday mm-hmm. um and didn't really get to take in the scene very much but i mean i gotta say like you know the people kind of hated the venue from last year and it was sort of hard to separate out how much of that was just the weather and the like fact that that is a temporary venue and has no uh shelter at all and whether you know whether or not they mismanaged evacuating on friday is another debate but um with the perfect weather we had here this weekend it was actually really nice i thought um, i mean it oh. the setting is perfect with the lake right there it's like 
it, it's beautiful at night. The skyline is right there. Um, I mean, I was lucky enough to be in the front uh, pit for both both of my shows, so I still have no concept of what it's like taking it in from the lawn at that place. But nice. um, other than that, I think that the sound is good, and it just it feels it feels huge because mm-hmm. you kind of can't see the back of it compared to Pine Knob, which felt like this really nice contained, almost miniature shed. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, with the really mild slope you have at Northerly, you can't see the back of the lawn or even really the front of the lawn from the pit. So it wow. does feel like you're in this big mass of people. Nice. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, well, I mean, weather was fantastic. I mean, we could not have lucked out anymore. I mean, it was unreal. And uh, But I tell you what, I mean, you can you can quote me on this. I love that venue. I'm yeah. a big fan. I've gone the last... You know, I went last year as well, and uh, that venue just sets up great. I mean, I dig it. I mean, it's it's low key inside, security's cool. Um, you know, there's a t- I sat in the uh, terrace for the f- first time. I've always been in the GA on the floor, mm-hmm. but Saturday night I sat in the terrace right there in 302 section 302, and man, oh man, those were some great seats. Um, cool. Yeah, the venue itself, I think it's a great location for those guys. You know, there's not a lot of vending because there's not a lot of parking lots. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's fantastic. It's cool. Right on the water, nice. That's awesome. Well, that's good. I'm glad that it, like, sort of redeemed itself from last year because I feel like people were a little down on it last year. But um, what about the the first night, Friday, um, what did you guys think of the show? What were some highlights? What were some takeaways that you guys had? Well, I, I kind of laughed at the first set because I've been like trying to get this hashtag save the first set thing going on Twitter uh-huh. <laughs> uh, to try and like jog them into actually doing something worthwhile in the first set, which seemed like it was maybe starting to happen on this tour. And then I joked in, at DTE that it was the first settiest first set ever. Uh, and then like they topped it Friday night <laughs> in Chicago because they I got to <laughs> actually run the stats on if they've ever played Bounce and Sparkle and Sample all in one set before. Or yeah, like, there were a like lot of those. At least. Yeah. So, I mean, it had a Reba and a Stash, and both were, like, fine, but it mm-hmm. was like, man, this is a real first set right here. And it was like, I felt like they were, again, personally attacking me for the hubris to uh, question their methods. <laughs> uh, but then the, the second set I thought was, like, fantastic. And I thought... Uh, it wasn't even like the kind of set where you could pick an easy highlight. Uh, it, it it very much felt like it had I agree. as much flow at least as any other set this tour. Maybe the, I think it was the second night of SPAC had a really nice run of songs and felt yeah. really cohesive. And but this set I thought um, just like kind of top to bottom had just the right dynamics for a fish set, which is you know a pretty rare thing for three actually. Dude, how about the seg, the crowd, when the, the seg into Halley's Comet? Did that not, was that the second night? Yeah, first? that was Friday. That was Friday. Dude, did that not drop out of the sky? Nobody knew that was coming. <laughs> and that was yeah. a full-on segue, right? Yeah, oh. like another like geeky stats thing. I don't think I can ever remember a like true segue into Halley's Comet. Yeah, no doubt. I yeah. mean, that, I'm telling you, that, that dropped out of absolute nowhere. I even think for them, sort of, it seemed like. Trey just started singing the lyrics over the current. That was crazy. Yeah, if you guys... If they, if you once guys... they started singing it, that crowd went nuts. 
Yeah, I was watching on the webcast, and it actually was like he just kind of walked up to the mic and started singing. Like I don't think any of the rest of them really knew what was going on. Right. It oh. took Fishman about a sec, uh, about three or four seconds. Yeah, and then he drops right into it. Yeah. yeah. And Mike completely forgot to do the like uh, beatbox basically right. thing, except for like a few like during the bridge. I think he remembered to do it again. But right. yeah, it gave it like a totally different feel. I thought like. Oh yeah. No the doubt. rhythm section was like a lot different, and then that awesome sort of like uh, anti climax after the vocals yep. Yep. was really cool. I thought, and like okay. another really good segue into Wombat. And see, and that's what's so great about this tour. I think really is it. It you know it goes back to a lot of things, but man, their song placement. I mean, you know, you can bash them for this, that, and the other. You know, people were bitching about the theme the other night. You know, but I tell you what, I mean, there's song placement nowadays. I mean, you don't know what's coming. You don't have a clue. Yeah. I mean, I looked at, you know, Sunday, opening up Gumbo, Jim, Tila. I mean, come on. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, who called that? Right, right. <laughs> or open up a sand in the third night of Randall's, right? There's just like some yeah, bingo. crazy bingo. stuff. Um, well, I don't know about you guys, but from that whole weekend, the um, well, it before the Sunday night show, which we'll get to, but the first two nights, like the Wombat is like the most intriguing thing to me. I just feel like I've listened that, to it so many times. What was it? Were, were people like freaking out? Were you guys oh, yeah. surprised? Well, I, I walked out of there and I was not a Wombat fan, but I walked out of there being a Wombat fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was that good. That was, uh, that was a great moment. What do yeah, you think, Rob? Still say like, people don't agree with me, but I still say there was like some type of wheel jam in there. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't heard that, but I'll listen to it again. About the five something minute mark, give or take. It, I mean, it, you know, it's kind of like the Paradise City argument, maybe. You know, <laughs> right. but either way, I mean, it, that was a great wombat. Yeah, like I, um, I think it was a good argument for what having a really good set flow can do to songs. Mm-hmm. Like I think uh, it, it felt really natural coming out of that wombat to have this really melodic uh, sort of unexpected peak jam, um, and it it was one of those sets that felt like like a continuous jam with some islands of songs popping yeah. up here and there, uh, mm-hmm. and so it, it it seems unfair almost to call it wombat. Like in the old days when I kept a set list, I probably would have written wombat into jam. Uh-huh. It, Chicago uh, Wombat Jam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Northerly Jam. Yeah, um, Northerly Jam. But, you know, I, listening back, I, uh, yeah, at the show, I thought the Wombat was the most interesting thing. And, like, I think partially because it was so unexpected and exciting. Um, but listening back, I really like the Golden Age a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think yes. it hasn't got talked up as much because it was, like, yet another solid Golden Age. But right. not only did it set the tone for the rest of the set and sort of create this sort of party funk thing that they kept coming back to the whole night um i think it's it's a lot like the hartford version from last fall where there's some really interesting dynamics going on where it doesn't sound it doesn't move that much it's not like mm. one of these really uh mer- mercurial sort of jams like the spec chalk dust or something it kind of stays in one mood mm-hmm. but it sort of like dies down really nicely at one point and then it hits this really nice like noise peak towards the end and i just thought it, it felt like a really nice just precision like uh rhythm experiment for the whole time, and it's pretty long. It might have been the longest jam the whole weekend. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's seventeen oh four. Yeah, yeah, pretty solid. 
And it right into like a perfect mango too. I didn't, I, I didn't think they knew how to play mango anymore, to be honest. And I think what I thought that was a great, I mean, stick that mango. Yeah, and who saw that coming, eh? Huh. Yeah, nobody. I thought that, yeah, that was a good, good, that second set, I mean, from start to finish, in my opinion, is pretty solid. Yeah, and you guys, so on the second night, so Rob, you skipped the second night to go to Pitchfork, Pitchfork Fest, right? Yeah, yeah, it, went, uh, it was the night headlined by Nutrimo Patel. Okay, they're coming to D.C. this weekend, and so before we go to the Saturday Night Fish show, how was that show? Yeah, it was it was good. There was a lot, kind of what I expected, and thinking back, it was a pretty interesting contrast to seeing fish on either side. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting sandwich, uh, given that Nutrimo Patel's last album was 1998, and they don't really have, they really have no new material since then, so... Crazy. It was kind of funny to see this like critically acclaimed band that was playing, you know, sixteen-year-old songs, <laughs> and they're and they're selling out everywhere. I saw them exactly. at games. It was so packed. I could man, I couldn't even breathe in that place in February. Yeah, wow. and at Pitchfork, of course, it was kind of like the peak of what they've been working for at the Pitchfork Festival. They've been trying to get that the Nutrimocotaller Mangum for for years. And so that was kind of nice as like a symbolic thing, but it, you know, it left me kind of cold compared to like what I was getting the night before and the night after, which yeah. I kept to myself when I was talking to other people. Sure, sure. Yeah, you got a, you got a <laughs> reputation to uphold. Well, my reputation now is the guy that likes fish. So yeah, perfect. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Who goes to see Neutral Milk Hotel instead, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. That's what we, that's what we all are known to, that's what we all are known as to someone. Um, yeah. So Kevin, what how the, how was the second night for you? Um, second night was great. I started out. I went to uh, Pete Mason Fan Arts exhibit in the Congress Hotel mm-hmm. that afternoon, and uh, it you know proceeds went to Mockingbird. Yeah, and uh, Isidore Bullock was there. It was I mean fantastic. He probably had uh, twenty five vendors, give or take. And uh, it was just, it was a neat, uh, it was a neat deal. So I want to throw a thank you out there to Fan Art. Nice. Yeah, for everything uh, that you do for everybody within the fish community. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And we, we rolled right from there over to uh, to Northerly. And yeah, second night was fantastic. I'll tell you, bottom line, I keep going back to that hood, that hairy hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Probably the Halley's Comet, the Piper Halley's Seg, and the Harry Hood, the peak of the Harry Hood, mm-hmm. were probably the loudest I've heard the cr- heard the crowd this weekend. Wow, uh, cool. that hood I think is just bang up. I mean, it's that's hot, real hot. Yeah, Rob, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, like I I haven't dug that deep into the show, but the hood was great i mean my one i was pretty satisfied by my shows this week but the one thing I, i'm mad about is that i missed this like harry hood renaissance yeah that's it, going it was, on this summer it was a renaissance but i tell you the other funny thing about this weekend i mean no i know they all we hear teases all the time but man it sure seemed like a tease fest this weekend and they are teasing you know that this is the summer of fuego because i bet you te- yeah. tease that shit 10 times yeah the whole weekend, easy. I mean, insane. It's like, oh, there's Fuego again. There. Yeah, it was like in everything, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, so the the hood. So the, like my my one question. I was listening to the hood. I think yesterday, and I was thinking, 
I really love the like I love the the traditional hood because it 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 allows for so much um, building up of like emotive sort of guitar from Trey and mm-hmm. you know and so with these you get like more exploration and that's great but I'm wondering if I'm if they keep doing it if I'm gonna end up missing the um, the or if we're gonna you know pine for a, a classic hood you know oh yeah well I tell you what they're on mark to get I mean. That one I heard. Now that was not as good as the Hollywood, however, last summer. Yeah, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but it was still pretty damn hot. I'd have to listen to them side by side. To, but, yeah, I thought. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I still think the Mansfield hood is the that best. Was nice. Yep, that was good. Yeah, that was the best one I've heard in this. Yeah, give me the man fuego any day. <laughs> nice. Yeah, the fuego. This is the summer fuego for sure. I mean, definitely gonna get at least one this weekend at Merriweather. Oh yeah, maybe more counting all the teasers. It's gonna <laughs> yeah, be you like it too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I kind of did hope they played too. That like in Chicago, I think that's like the inevitable end. Maybe a Dicks will play it every night. That's yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they're they're clearly having fun. I mean, there's no doubt, right? I mean that this is giving them um, the new material is giving them some some new energy and some. Not that they didn't have energy last year, but it just feels like they're able to um, push a lot of different things in a lot of different directions, and they seem to be more comfortable. Um, maybe this year compared to where they were at this point last summer in the tour. I don't yeah, know. I think it was possible to get re-energized more than they were last summer. But I think we're seeing that this summer as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, what do you yeah, think about think, that, Rob? I think uh, as much as the Fuego songs have done that, and I was skeptical about, skeptical about this at first, but I think the like cover restriction is doing it is, has been even more beneficial to them. Um, and it, it, like mm-hmm. Kevin was talking about songs popping up in unexpected places and, uh, yeah, just sort of, you know, uh, sort of putting you off balance as far as set construction and what's, you know, what is typical for an opener and what songs are going to be the big jam songs and that sort of thing, I think really does come down to the fact that they're only keeping covers for special occasions. Yeah. And I don't remember the last time I was this off balance. Honestly, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's been a while, which I think is a good thing. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's funny. But I feel, I'd like a few more covers, though, for the record. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because yeah, I've seen <laughs> I've seen people complain on Twitter about like repeats and and you know being predictable set lists. I think you see the same kind of. I mean, the songs you always see popping up, right? But well, but, but every album they've ever done, you always see this. Mm-hmm. You know. You see a lot of this. I mean, mm-hmm. they release now, and you're going to hear, you know, Hoys, DWD, you know, it's just, it's yeah. kind of their, their thing, but, yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, it seems like a tighter rotation all around, too. Like, I, I saw mm-hmm. two Pipers and two shows this week, yeah. which, uh, you know, that's, that's blasphemy. Is that, th- yeah. that was two shows in a row, right? Yeah, DTE and Friday Night uh, each had a Piper. Yeah. The, but um, that doesn't count because it's different cities. Don't you read Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> There's all sorts of rules, right? Yeah. Come on, dude. Pine <laughs> Knob and Chicago are only like four and a half hours apart. That's that's within the uh oh, circle. So now we're gonna make hourly rules. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well so so the third night guys was um you guys were both there and um it was pretty pretty insane. Um Particularly a couple, a couple of the jams in the second set. Which either of you guys jump in? Um, what did you guys think? What was the how? How did the Sunday night sort of crowd and energy compare to the other nights and, and musically? 
Um, what'd you think? Oh, I thought, uh, so I went to that show by myself. Uh, the person I was going to take fell through, which ended up being kind of like the perfect like headspace that I needed for that show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No offense to not meeting up, Kevin, but it was like oh, it no, worked no. out perfectly that I was uh, good, on bro. my own and had no like self consciousness about how like silly I got in the second second uh, half there. Yeah. But so that's why you were late for your curfew that night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it, it it felt very Sunday show to me. Like people, it was there was a lot more space than there was on Friday, at least, uh, and people a little less like partying, um, and like I don't know, it just like the first set, and again to like you know pay my uh, debts for the save the first set thing. That one was actually like pretty awesome, I thought, and I thought it was great. Yeah, really good song choices and really interesting playing in the scent of a mule with some nice, like, fishy weirdness uh, that, like, we haven't seen enough of lately. And, uh, yeah, I was really satisfied by the first set. And then the second set was, like, kind of took my head off. (laughs) We can get to that. (laughs) Yeah. What was your take on the the first set, Kevin? Oh, same thing. I tell you, I thought they, I mean, came out, ripped into the gumbo. I mean, it was like party time down there. I mean, it was fun. Nice. The yeah. scent of a mule had some weirdness, right? Just yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Rob, you were pretty close. What was it? Um, did it seem weird at the time that it was just you know all these different? I mean, I know that fish got on the marimba, and there was there was all kinds of crazy stuff. Was it like was yeah, it pretty fun the, to watch? The funny thing to watch was uh, like even before they all got on the drums, uh, Trey and Mike kind of like without even talking, like, came together and with their backs to the audience and, like, did this weird sort of, sort of like, swaying look at Fishman while he was playing. Oh, wow. And, it, it, and it, the whole thing, I mean, they, I don't think they talked to each other the whole time. It was just kind of, like, this weird, like, telepathic, like, hey, let's all go play the drums now. And it was really funny to watch Paige, like, eventually kind of, like, straddle, straggle over there. That, uh, was, the, get on that, was, the, that was the Marimba Lumina body signal. they're all hypnotized and they're like yeah Yeah. getting closer to fishman um i mean it made the the maroon alumina i've I've seen other people say this but every time fishman plays it it just makes me mad that they they only use it as like a gimmick instead of a mule like why aren't they doing insane noise jams with that and the theremin and the drill and like Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. the, you know trey doing all of his new echoplex tricks and like eventually that's got to happen right it's like Uh Totally. We were saying that. It'd be so great to get a drum space with, like, Lumina going. You get uh, Trey's Echoplex. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It'd be your new uh, 94 Bowie there, RJ. Yeah, I like it. I like the idea. So, <laughs> the um, so the second set, guys, this is, um, I mean, to me, the the i mean to everyone i guess the wedge was the the most notable thing maybe maybe the ghost i don't know what you guys think but that was um something i wanted to listen to like right away the next morning what what, what was your either of your takes on the on the second set i i mean i love the ghost don't get me wrong but you know there of course there was a lot of hype about the wedge but i mean you know and i see some people saying oh you know trey botched a lyric and all this stuff and you know, I'm not, I'm on the other side of the fence. I'm going to sit here and be critical about, I mean, that was a fantastic wedge. Mm-hmm. Uh, crowd was pumped. I mean, it was, it was, it was great. It was a great moment in fish, in my opinion. 
And uh, then, I mean, they go, you know, do a ghost right after that. I thought that was a wicked ghost, didn't you, Rob? Yeah, yeah. No, I thought, um, I, I kind of, I'll admit, I felt a little bit like the set was going, like the DTE set, um, mm. when, the, when they start up mics. Right. And this is, you know, the, the danger of expectations, but, like, I, I expected that night to have just a big, deep tweezer. Like, I thought it was, mm-hmm. everything was set up for it. Like, we had two party shows, and we were going to have, like, the crazy, like, SPAC Night 3 style right. experimental tweezer jam for half the set. And so when they got into mics, I'm like, man, I don't think they're going to play tweezer. Mics doesn't go anywhere these days. And then <laughs> they dropped into the wedge, and I'm like, yeah, I like the yeah. wedge, but they're playing it a lot these days, and it's right. going to be another songy set. And, and that's, like, in a way, that's, like, perfect. Because then there was that, like, one of my favorite fish things in the world, an awesome moment in the, after, during the wedge solo, traditional wedge solo, when, like, all of a sudden, everybody knows it's going somewhere. Right. It's yep. like you can feel that ripple through the whole crowd. And it takes, like, two seconds. I don't know how it happens. It's just, like, the yeah, magic yeah. of fish, right? right. That, and it, every time I hear it on the tape, still, I get, like, chills. It's like they just, you know, they, they play one note you don't expect, and it's like, all right, it's on. <laughs> and this is going to get really weird. Um, and, yeah, by the end of it, I mean, it was like, this is where I was happy I was by myself because I just kind of, like, like lost it more than I normally do yep. <laughs> at a fish show, which, right. you know, the, the very debatable tease slash jam at the end of the wedge, uh, which I am now, I think I tweeted this right before we went on, but I am totally convinced that it's the REO Speedwagon song now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because it sounds like the strum pattern of Trey sounds exactly like it, and it's a song where the refrain is basically "keep on rolling" over and over again. I tell you, I disagree. Nice. To right. I disagree because I we all there was probably ten people around me, and some of which I didn't even know they were just neighbors, and we were all like Paradise City, Paradise. The minute he went into it, yeah. But That's the other, what my wife said, too, when we were listening to it tonight. But I think if, if I've learned anything, it's that uh, REO Speedwagon should have sued Guns N' Roses. Because <laughs> really, it's like the exact same chord progression. That's hilarious. I, you know what's weird? I saw yesterday, though, and I don't know if this is total irony or total coincidence, but uh, the Appetite for Destruction came out July 21st, 1987. So it was almost to the day. What is that? Twenty four years. Hmm. 20... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. to the day. Well, hopefully they'll happened. never. Uh, they'll never tell us. Yeah. No. Controversies no. that uh, Fishnet was born in, right? Exactly. <laughs> the new fire on the mountain tees. Well, the yeah. the um, the couple of weeks ago we had Justin um, Justin Bolanino on here, and we were he was just talking about his view on of fish, which I think is is relevant well, here and similar well, to. You guys, yeah, he's great, and it's Very just good. like, you know, fish is a mystery box, and you don't, you know, mm-hmm. you, you don't know like what it is. You don't, and ultimately, we don't want to know, right? <laughs> like, nope. That's hey, why we keep going back. Expect hey. the unexpected. I mean, yeah. that's fish's mantra, and it's so true. And they they play it so perfectly. Like they have one of the best like media management of any bands around, I think, because mm-hmm. they know they don't need to give an interview that explains everything. Yeah. And, and they love just like messing with us and giving us little like pieces of information that we can spin into like a big huge thing. And I mean, it's, from... at this point, it just that's like second nature to them. But I love it. Everybody loves it. Oh yeah. I tell uh, you but... what is interesting. I thought actually I was looking today, and you can kind of take this and 
chew it, but I don't really even know if it means anything, but I thought it was interesting that Night 3 Chicago has got the most tunes that check in at 10-plus minutes, this tour, and if you add the nine-minute first tube, that makes five, which is two more than any other show so far this tour. So wow. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And, like, um, so, yeah, I want to talk about the ghost. Oh, go, 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 go for it. it. I, I much prefer the ghost to the wedge. I thought the wedge was amazing. I loved it. Uh, the ghost is maybe my favorite jam I've seen since uh, uh, 3.0 started. Wow. Um, and it just really, like, hits all my buttons as a fish fan. Uh-huh. And I, like, have been a huge proponent of the Echoplex and what it does to Trey's sound. And it's, like, been the most fun part of this summer for me has been watching all the different ways he finds to use it. Oh, and, and that was just, like, like exactly what I wanted. Like, it was, like, six minutes of him on one chord. Yep. It just, How like, the- looping over and over and over it. And, like, the, I don't know if you guys can hear on the live fish, but, like, a firework goes off. Yeah. <laughs> on it point. Trey. Yeah, I know. It was like, and I it was like right above my head, basically. I, I thought I, I was so far under the lights that I thought maybe a light had exploded. Like it was, but it was like, it could have been more perfectly timed, as awful as it is if people are shooting fireworks at the band. It like worked perfectly because it was just like the, the intensity build of that jam, that like second half of the jam is like incredible to me. It's almost, it reminded me a little bit of the Big Cypress mics, yes. which is a pretty bold comparison to make. And it's definitely not that dark and evil. Because I can't really do that dark and evil anymore. Um, but just their, like, patience to just stick and, like, pound on that one chord. But and- I tell you, I think what kind of makes... Uh, the Ghost was fantastic, but you tie in the Weka Paw back into Ghost Jam. Yeah. That was incredible. And I don't, I'm not sure... Nobody saw that coming either. No, like, my eyes almost oh popped my, out of my, oh my head. Oh, my God, it's Ghost! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was like the week of Pog was the perfect like punctuation on that. Actually, in the first tube too, they were each an exclamation point on the wedge ghost, which was. I mean, that that's one of my favorite segments I've seen, like in this era of fish. Easy. That was sweet. Um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's cool, guys. So, what were your sort of um, brief sort of takeaways from the whole weekend, um, either musically or or otherwise? I I tell you, uh, I want to do a PSA real quick. Kids, don't bring fireworks to the show, <laughs> okay? And uh, number two, I also wanted to bring up, I went on Sunday to uh, Rick Hirsch's Screens and Suds. Uh, Jim Pollock was there. Of course, it was his 50th birthday this weekend, mm-hmm. so it was great to run into him and uh, chat with him, but uh, Screens and Suds also had a poster show on Sunday, and all those proceeds went to Mockingbird. And uh, it was a great turnout. Nice. Um, yeah, it was cool. Very cool. But it was just neat seeing all those people in town. Um, I think Paige even said something about Jim's birthday the first time. Or yeah, yeah, he did on Friday. I remember it. Yeah. And uh, so it was just it was a great weekend. Good music. Good people. Like I said, uh, I really dig that venue. Um, you know, the more I go there, and uh, it was just a good weekend. Awesome. Yeah, I would. Um, I would like put it in the context with the whole summer tour so far, which uh, you know some people 
some notable fish critics have put down the weekend is not be enough to snap with the, yes. the first part of the tour. Yes. Um, and uh, I think, so back in the video chat we did a few months ago, I said, I was like kind of pessimistic about this summer and I yeah. said, ah, oh, it's going to be a transitional year. They got all this new stuff. It's not going to find a good place and people should measure their expectations. And I think I was right that it was going to be a transitional year, but wrong about how awesome that could still be. Uh-huh. And I think this weekend really added a different flavor to a transitional year where they're not entirely sure which direction to go yet and i think like the randall's run and the chicago run are two completely different like tones of fish uh both are really fun though one was kind of was more focused on like the big really long exploratory jams Mm -hmm. and i think chicago was where we saw for you know one of the first times in a long time uh more of a focus on set construction and finding jams in unusual places instead of predictable places. Uh, yep. They weren't, they weren't third quarter jams. They weren't, you know, jams and songs where you expected to see big jams. And, I, you know, personally, I like both sides of fish. I, I'm still, like, you know, maybe I would have enjoyed a 30-minute tweezer more than I enjoyed <laughs> what I ended up <laughs> seeing on Sunday, but I came away, like, totally satisfied, and I, I, I can't predict where the rest of the summer is going to go, to be honest. Like, yeah. Which is a great place to be, and that's exactly what I thought after the weekend. Like, I, there's so many compelling things to think about going into this weekend show for me, um, partially because I haven't seen shows. So it's just you know, it's a. I, after listening to Mansfield and um, a couple of SPAC shows, it was like I had to kind of readjust how to listen to Fish because there were these new songs in the rotation, new, new jamming styles a little bit. It was so feel like i finally figured it out i don't know if you guys ever feel that way but that's definitely the way i felt going into uh going into the summer tour i tell you one thing this weekend too is it and i knew this kind of you know throughout the summer so far but i tell you trey's rhythm guitar playing that oh my gosh it's i mean it's incredible i mean it's you know it's always been good but i really think he's come leaps and bounds um Yep. Yeah, my favorite thing about the the wedge jam is that he avoids playing lead for so yep. long. For so and like, I, long. And I, mm-hmm. I get frustrated when he solos too much, you know, when he turns into just sort of Trey Wank all over the set. Um, but I was like like over that Paradise City slash Roll with the Changes <laughs> jam. Uh, <laughs> I was like begging him. I was like, you have to solo over this. This is so good. You have to solo over this progression. And then he finally did, but only for a little bit. And then did the ghost, which was not really solo based at all. So he's like, he's really toying with us now. And I love it. It's great. It's it's just like we've been bitching for what the last couple of years about how they always quit in the third quarter. Right. And now they give us a rock and fourth quarter, three nights in a row up in Chicago, and we're bitching about the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not bitching about it. I love it. And I, But it's classic Twitter. You know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. You always yeah, always complain about what you don't have at this moment. Exactly. Well, I'm I'm really glad to hear, you know, Kevin, I know that you, you know, you you are a um, an optimistic and an always enjoying fish fan, and so I expected that you would come away from Chicago you know, feeling that way, but but I'm especially glad to hear that you, Rob, had a good time and that you're feeling sort of re-energized and, and satisfied with the shows you saw. It's awesome. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, man. Um, cool. Thanks, guys, for joining us. This has been really, really interesting to talk and always fun to, to connect with you guys. Thank you, RJ. Rob, I appreciate it. Nice chatting with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks.
Yeah, great talking with you. And thanks, RJ. It's great to be on. Cool. Talk, talk to you guys soon. Bye bye. Later. If you're a business looking to reach millions of engaged podcast listeners around the world, start advertising with Acast. Acast is the only place to work with 92,000 exclusive shows, including huge hits like WTF with Mark Marin, Anna Ferris is Unqualified, as well as top publishers including the BBC and The Economist. Acast's self-serve ad platform is easy to use, giving you the power to choose your perfect audience, create and launch your campaign, and track your results all in one place. Get your message heard and reach customers wherever they're listening. Visit go.acast.com slash advertise to get started today. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.